UFOs, Bigfoot, paranormal input. Go ahead now, get mystical. Mystery and magical. UFOs, not typical. Bigfoot, not typical. You ask me why I'm skeptical. I say questions are questionable. Is the truth alien to you? Alien to get my message through. Aliens might message you. Aliens are sliding through. The wild signal we're plotting to. Algorithms they find is true. Typical. Skeptic. Shut Got no time for no petty germs, pandemic, a pandemic turn, horror still in Amityville, Bayonet in Gettysburg, Mothman, TNT, Factory, Red Eyes, Loki, Dogman, howling in the street, I'm typically skeptic of what I see, Voodoo Hoodoo in New Orleans, Thunderbird, Swamp Thing, is it real, I was wondering, typical, skeptic, show, typical, skeptic, show. Can you see me? <laughs> Sorry. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Typical Skeptic Podcast. I have another fascinating guest with me today. Um, the first show we did together kind of blew up. It got like 9,000 views. And who I have with me is Jessica Jones. You might know her from, no, not the Marvel cartoon, no, not the Marvel character, but the remote viewer, Jessica Jones, um, paranormal uh, investigator. And I'll read you a little bit. But, but, but tonight we're going to be talking about Bigfoot, cryptids, Dogman, the Meadow, which is like a paranormal hotspot where you guys, if you follow my channel i've had trey hudson on my show she's friends with trey um she does goes big footing and cryptid hunting all the time she has et contact like well ufo contact and stuff like that well let me just read you a little bit more about my guest bio jessica jones is a paranormal investigator remote viewer based in northwest georgia she's an active field researcher and member of the enigma research group erg anomalous studies and observation group asog and northern georgia Cryptid researchers, NGCR, all are action-oriented research groups which conduct field research associated with the things of the paranormal, particularly Bigfoot. These groups have obtained groundbreaking evidence at several paranormal hotspot hubs around the southwestern United States, comparable to the infamous Skinwalker Ranch. What sets Jessica's team apart from other groups is that they are all trained in remote viewing, RV. In addition to utilizing remote viewing in the research field, Jessica assists in missing persons cold case slash cold cases. She recently presented her field research at Camp Disclosure and is often interviewed on podcasts and radio shows across the globe. And you guys might know Jessica. She also does Saturday and Sunday night with Spaced Out Radio. That's where I found out about her. And uh, also, I just wanted to tell you guys, it's really important that if you like this content, subscribe to my channel and then go subscribe to Jessica's channel. Um, it's Jessica Jones Remote Viewing or uh the cryptid huntress that's what she goes by she goes by the cryptid huntress so to subscribe to the cryptid huntress on youtube that's easier to find the cryptid huntress and i want to give her a big warm welcome to the show jessica thank you for coming back on my show how are you oh robert thank you so much for having me i had such a good time last time that i was on your show and uh i've been great been doing really well how have you been I'm, I'm good thanks and one of the reasons why I love having you on is because you're kind of like me it seems like you it seems like you like evidence like and I love evidence like I, you know I'll entertain a lot of things and I'm open-minded to a lot of stuff but like it seems like you want to get your feet dirty and go into the field and test these theories out it seems like you will kind of want to like test the paranormal and and see what 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 gives and what doesn't and what you can come up with and and you've done a lot of, you're a field investigator. You, you've done a lot of research in the field, correct? Correct. Yeah. I was actually just up in the mountains last weekend uh, doing some research. Uh, I went to a, a, a place where my team uh, does a lot of research 
where we have a lot of UFO activity, but also a lot of Bigfoot activity. And, uh, and I, I had a couple of research friends with me and, uh, that place did not disappoint even last weekend, but yeah, you know, I, we, we do a lot of interesting experiments out in the field. Um, I'm actually the type of, um, researcher that really likes to go and ex, um, experience things, not just experiment. I'm an experiencer and I like to go out there and just soak it all in. Okay. Uh, because there's just so there's really is so much going on out in those woods that, um, it, it, it never, um, it never gets old, first of all, <laughs> and there's always a surprise and I'm always learning something new and experiencing new things. What, what do you think it is about the woods that draws to it? Number one. And then number two, why do you think paranormal activity seems to happen more? Well, like, okay. Like if you, if you go back and you read like Bud Hopkins's book, which is called witness, he talks about like, you know, alien abductions in the heart of New York City. And I've had people from the city on my show too, but there's something special about the woods, right? It seems like, I don't know, like, it seems like that's where the paranormal seems to like to happen, right? Yeah, well, because there's no people out there. That's why, yeah. you know, uh, especially Sasquatch, they don't, they don't like people very much. So I don't blame them at all. It actually is really nice getting away from the city and uh, getting into the woods because it is a natural uh, recharging station, I guess you can call it. Uh, I go out there just to rejuvenate my energy and, uh, and to get grounded. And, uh, and, and I mean, that's where we've encountered the portals, uh, you know, ghosts, ETs, Bigfoot, whatever, any kind of paranormal activity. Uh, it is all out in the woods. And um, the deeper into the woods you go, the more activity you get, in my experience. Yeah. Um, did you ever come up with an idea as to why you think maybe like it all happens? Like you, if you ever notice like your, your spot that you and Trey have the meadow, which is like an undisclosed paranormal hotspot, like in the South, is it the Southeast? It's in, it's in yeah. the Southeast. Yeah, it is. No, there was a portal that opened there. There was UFO activity. There was cryptids. There was men in black from what I remember. Like, what do you think this is all happening there? Do you think it's just portals or like, what, can we explain this or? Yeah. You know, to me, it, it may just be, it, it could be on a ley line perhaps, you know, I can't tell you exactly because that'll give the location away. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it could be, there's, there's different things that it could be. Um, it could be a portal for perhaps could be several portals. Um, it could be just the land. I mean, the land has a lot of history behind it as far as, um, you know, American Indians having uh, bloodshed there over, you know, land disputes and things like that. Uh, Civil War fights and battles going on out there. Um, you name it, there's been a lot of bloodshed on a lot of this land around the whole country, honestly, but out in the places where we go and do research. Uh, it could be that dimensions are crossing, you know, there's like some kind of weird dimensional thing going on out there. Um, you know, it, it could be just about anything. I also believe that it's not just the land that has all this activity. <clears throat> I believe that it's the people that go out there. They kind of bring the high strangeness. Now, I don't know how that works other than uh, some, some people are more open to the experiences uh, out there as far as the, the Sasquatch and the, the ET stuff goes and the UFOs. You know, some people are just on that frequency. And so no matter where you go, you're going to get activity. Uh, but yeah, out in the woods, there's there's something different out there. Uh, definitely something different. I think it's just because it's so isolated. You know, I mean, like I said, there's no people out there. 
Yeah. And I was going to ask you this, like, how has your remote viewing skills helped you in your field investigations? Like, because I know you've done a lot of, like, you, you we were talking before the show, you've done a lot of shows on, you remote viewed, like, Mel's Hole, you, and but then, like, you apply these remote viewing techniques, like, when you're in the field investigating as well, right? Yeah. Well, first of all, remote viewing uh, requires you to be very psychically switched on uh, and to utilize your enhanced human capabilities. And, uh, and so that is something that I use not only in my research, but in my everyday life. Okay. I mean, in our training, we're taught to notice the subtle energy shifts uh, from even when you walk from one room to the next, uh, you pick up on the energy of people around you. You pick up on, you know, having to pr protect your energy, shield your energy from people that are trying to uh, be energy vampires. A lot of people are energy vampires and they don't even know it. Okay. And, and uh, like going to the store, okay. Going to the grocery store, going to a big box store like Walmart, you know, I was just there earlier today. I had to protect myself. Okay. In more ways than one, <laughs> but, um, but it, it's just all about being aware of your surroundings and picking up on differences in the energies everywhere you go. Uh, just being psychically switched on. I mean, some people say that the Sasquatch and even ETs communicate telepathically. I've experienced it. Um, I know for, for sure ETs do. Uh, I've definitely experienced that. And, uh, and so it just helps to be aware, first of all, and, and to, to be aware of your surroundings and to be aware of your psychic abilities. Uh, because it could really freak somebody out if you don't know, you don't understand what's going on and you get some telepathy going on with a creature out there. Have you had that, would you say, or do you think, or you, I know nobody can say for sure because it's so hard to evidence, but would you think you've had like uh, telepathic contact with beings before maybe? Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. And, and that includes ghosts or what I, what I perceive to be ghosts. Okay. Uh, because now looking back, when I had experiences with ghosts in my, in my home, when I was a kid and a teenager, a young lady, uh, when I was a young woman, you know, I'm, I'm an old lady now, <laughs> just kidding. Um, I, I had um, ghosts talking to me, you know, I'd wake up and there'd be a ghost standing by my bed and, uh, and they would be uh, saying things to me and their mouths would not be moving. And, uh, and fast forward several years and, uh, and I'm, I'm learning about alien abductions and I'm having experiences out in the field where we're uh, seeing UFOs, um, having a lot of very weird activity. We all began learning about alien abductions. And then lo and behold, I had an experience with aliens, some ETs. And in my experience, they were communicating with me just like those spirits had done when I was younger, standing there looking at me and telling me things, but their mouths weren't moving. Okay. Uh, it was, it was all telepathy. And, uh, and so, yeah, it kind of blurs the whole line of like, well, what's a ghost? What, what if those ghosts were ETs? You know, I, I thought about that a lot. I've thought about maybe like they, they have they, they, the same phenomena, maybe wears different masks. Like I've interviewed yeah. people on that too. Like, it seems like maybe the same phenomena, like, you know, like angels, demons, maybe the same thing, ghosts, yeah. ETs, maybe it's all the same thing. Or do you think there are differences? Yeah. Oh, I can tell you one thing, Robert, I have no idea anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I knew, <laughs> you know, you think, you know, and I can tell you, I've been doing research out in the field for many years, at least 12 years out in the field and, uh, and having experiences my entire life. Um, I thought I knew what was going on. And now um, 
I have I have a good idea of what's going on, but but we I don't think anybody really knows. I don't think anybody knows. Actually, I know it's it's yeah. so hard to say. But, I, but one thing that we can prove is like your psi psi abilities. Like that, I always feel. I feel like I always say this. I feel like psi is one of the most provable forms of like. I mean, I think all the paranormal is provable to some certain degree. Like I, I think it's all. I think it's all real. But I think when we specifically look at psi abilities, like psychic abilities. I, I really think that there's something to that. And, and, and have you always been psychic or how did that work out? Yeah, I, I assume I have. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> I just didn't know what it was. Um, I didn't start working out my psychic muscles, so to speak, until I began remote viewing. Um, when I, when I met my Bigfoot research team and, um, and, and the reason that we learned remote viewing was because we had had uh, some rather odd experiences out in the field while bigfooting uh, with UFOs and crafts flying above our heads and having some missing time and equipment malfunctions and things like that. Um, and so that's when I came to terms with the fact that I was psychic, <laughs> okay, was around that time. I, I knew that I had always had abilities. Uh, my mother, my grandmother, my great grandmother, my great aunt, my dad, my aunts, you know, everybody in my family on both sides pretty much um, had experiences with either ETs, UFOs, ghosts. Um, you know, I couldn't get away with a whole lot when I was growing up because my, my parents knew they were very psychic. That's so cool. Um, did they, was, did they like practice it at all? Or was it, were you like one of the first in your family to come out and start practicing psychic abilities? I was the first to come out of the closet on my psychic conquests or whatever this is. I don't know what I'm doing, <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm the first one to be public. And, uh, and that was not easy actually, because uh, it was kind of like, you know, I mean, I've been ridiculed quite a bit, Robert, since I, I came out uh, as a remote viewer. Okay. Um, I didn't go public with the fact that I was a big footer and did Bigfoot field research for 10 years. Okay. And I did, and, and not only am I a Bigfooter, but I was trained in remote viewing with my Bigfooting team. Um, and so it wasn't as hard coming out as a Bigfooter. You know, uh, that was, that was pretty easy because now uh, being a Bigfoot researcher is kind of cool, you know, by society standards. Um, but where I found the most pushback so far has been actually with the remote viewing stuff. Um, you know, not everybody's on that frequency. Not everybody understands it. Uh, not everybody's ready for it, you know? So, um, it, it's been tough, but you know what? I've, I've realized that it's important for me to do what I'm doing. Um, and even if it's at like a, what I call like an elementary level almost with the remote viewing, you know, like what, and it's not elementary at all, but it's kind of like basic remote viewing, um, me remote viewing fun things like paranormal stuff. Um, I mean, that's what I've been trained to do. And uh, I've been trained to remote view just about anything, of course. But um, with my team, we look into paranormal things that happened and, you know, with my team and with myself. Uh, so that's, that's what I like to do. And, uh, and if I can make it fun and kind of get people's feet wet, so to speak, uh, with the remote viewing, that's, that's what I'm doing. And, uh, and I don't, I don't get a lot of pushback on with my, with my viewers on my shows and things like that. It's when I go on other people's shows, I, I you know, I get a little pushback there. 
Um, yeah, that, that seems to be, well, people, some people can try to, they think they have constructive criticism, but it's not really, yeah. you know, like it's, it's, no. it, that's, a, that's for another, but, but, but what I was going to say was like, how did your interest, well, well, let me ask you, I got to ask you this first, like when you remote viewed Mel's Hole, because like, it's so funny, I was talking with my, my girlfriend about Mel's Hole, like we, we, we she, she thought that that was like the most, the funniest thing that there was like this hole that existed because like she used to listen to Coast to Coast when she was a kid too, but then she didn't, had never heard about Mel's Hole. And I was like, oh, it's a big thing. And there's like a Native American elder, Red Elk, who's like, you know, he was on Art Bell too. And he talked about the hole and they threw stuff down the hole. They threw animals down there. And like, I mean, what did you see from this hole? If you don't mind me asking, yeah. like. It, it was, it was fantastically weird. Um, okay. So I had my friend Tanya, uh, she lives in Idaho. She's a remote viewer and, uh, she is, she has quickly become one of my bestest friends and we, we do a lot of shows together. Wait, uh, the one that does the light language. I think I had yeah. her on the show too. You I love her. her. You've had her on your show. Cool. Yes. Um, Tanya Braddock. Yes. She's, she's been on your show too. Uh, well, she, she and I, uh, we like to remote view things. I, I would bring her on my show, uh, to remote view separately for me, of course. Um, and then we would not talk about our data till we came on the show and we compare our data and it was always so, so fan, just fantastic, uh, getting to have, uh, another remote viewer there with me to, um, to go over the stuff. And so she remote viewed Mel's Hole too. We both had the same data, of course. Okay. But um, she, it, it was so weird. It was like a wormhole. Okay. It was a wormhole. And you got to wonder like, why are our military and our government so focused on this thing? Like they, they actually um, confiscated that property and um, and wouldn't let the guy go back on it. And they paid to have him move to Australia to go start a wombat farm. <laughs> Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so that's what he was into. He was into like saving the environment yeah. or saving animals. He was into wombats. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was crazy. And then but, but I remember the story, like he gets like screwed over somehow, right? Like, yeah. doesn't he? Well, he came back home. He, he, they, he, they said, okay, if you will go, we're going to move you out of this country. You just don't come back. Don't talk about it. Don't come back. We'll give you $250,000 a month. And you can have your wombat farm, okay? Uh, you just can't come back or else, or else. Um, and so the guy got homesick and guess what he did? He came back. And so he was immediately, I think they beat him up. Somebody beat him up. He wound up in a, a dark alley, beaten and bloody and um, missing his ID and all this kind of weird stuff. Uh, he had actually, he, he eventually re relocated to another location down in, Arizona or Nevada or somewhere down in the Southwest. And guess what? There was another hole on that property. I remember that. I remember yeah. that. There was a, there was another hole. It was in Nevada, right? Or is it? I think so. Yeah. I remember yeah. talking about that. And yeah. what I was wondering is where are these holes going to? Like, because it seems like it's an endless hole, but then also like, I remember Art had like a Native American elder, his name, I think I just said his name was Red Elk. And I loved the shows with Red Elk. They were so much fun. Like he he would talk about like the reptilians. And he said that 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 he thought that was a hole to that linked to inner earth reptilians. That like that and he made up this whole thing, like that he said these reptilians are under there. And like 
they have like pop machines, but they're not pop machines. Like instead, like the reptilian can tap into our louche or our energy. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like they can find someone who's like going through a bad time or something. And he said they take a, a an energy drink from like, I think they would like a pop mm-hmm. machine, these reptilians, you know? I, I thought this was yeah. out there, but at the same time, I thought it was so much fun too. Did you get anything like this when you remote viewed it? Are there reptilians under there or what's going on? (laughs) Well, you know, I didn't pick up on reptilians with this particular target. However, I have remote viewed reptilians before. And uh, like the lizard man of Skateboard Swamp, that was a a reptilian, shapeshifter type reptilian uh, that had come from underground. Okay. So yeah. Now with Mel's hole, I did not pick up on the reptilian stuff, but I did pick up on it being a wormhole. And so did Tanya. Um, it is some kind of had to do with some kind of interdimensional time travel. Okay. So there was the story of the guy dropping his, uh, uh, the neighbor taking his dead dog and putting it in the hole. And then about a year or two later, that dog was seen walking around town with another person with the same collar on and all that stuff. So, um, it, it was just super weird. I don't know. It just had a whole bunch to do with, uh, time travel, interdimensional travel, wormholes, that would make and, sense though, right? Like that would mm-hmm. make sense as to why the government would want to keep it hush hush and not keep anybody around it. Because if somebody like somehow, well, God forbid anybody died, but no, but like if somebody went through it and, and, and teleported or something or went through yeah, the wormhole and like ended up somewhere else, like then, you know, if the secret got found out, but like, it's amazing stuff, right? Like it's, it's, yeah. it's so bizarre. Well, it's okay. Yes, it's very bizarre. Um, there was a, I, I picked up on a lot of radiation coming out of this thing too. Okay. And now I've discussed with you before about the, the portal that we had at the meadow where we do our research and, uh, and there being spikes of radiation and all the, with all the paranormal stuff that happens around there and anywhere. Uh, if you carry a Geiger counter, a Geiger meter, you'll see that when something paranormal happens, you'll get a little spike of radiation, just a little tiny one. Um, Well, I was picking up on a lot of radiation coming out of this thing. And uh, for people who know the story of Mel's Hole, there was the tumor seal, okay? If you remember that, um, where they dropped a a baby lamb or a sheep down into the hole. And, uh, and, And by the way, animals would not go anywhere near this hole. Yeah, okay. dogs wouldn't go near it. I remember that. Like they, they birds, birds would fly around it. They would never fly directly over it. So, wow. yeah, they would go around it. And so, uh, Mel and his buddy decided to put a, a baby lamb or some kind of animal like that in a cage and put it down in the hole to see what would happen. Well, the 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 animal went nuts. Didn't want to go down there. Was you know, it was, it was rough. It was screaming and all that stuff. They dropped it down there anyways. It, it died pretty, pretty quickly when they, when they lowered it down in there. Uh, they set it down there for a little bit and then they pulled it back up and the, the thing had, it looked like, I guess they, they did a, an onsite autopsy of this baby lamb or sheep. And, um, something was big and its, its abdomen was like looking swollen or something so they they cut it open on site and uh lo and behold there was a living being inside of the lamb or the sheep i don't remember that that's insane wait i thought it was a tumor but it was it's a living being it was a tumor they said it had human eyes 
Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> they call it the tumor seal. Yeah. So actually Tanya, uh, she picked up on this tumor seal as well. Okay. But she was contacted and was having telepathic communication with the tumor seal while remote viewing this thing. She was having yeah. communication with the seal? She was. Yes. What did it say? <laughs> I don't remember exactly. It was, it was all really, really weird. Okay, really weird. Uh, you know, if anybody wants to see that, y'all can go to the Cryptid Huntress on YouTube, and it's in my remote viewing investigations playlist on my channel. Uh, Mel's Hole, I think it's like the most watched remote viewing show that I've done so far. Um, but Tanya's on there, and I, I believe Barry Littleton was on there with this. That's another good friend of mine. Uh, Barry Littleton? Yeah, Barry Littleton. Uh -huh. I like him. I'd like to get him on my show too. I, he's, he has a lot of knowledge about like ET related. Totally. Right? Yeah. Oh, he's he's one of my besties as well. Yes. You'll have to get Barry on. Yeah. I'll send him over to you. That's that's yeah. so cool. Um, now, let me ask you this. When you first got, it, what, what other cool stuff did you remove you? I, I just got to pick your brain. Like, this is so cool. Like, like <laughs> but this lizard man, like, was he part of like a reptilian faction that like, are they, are they under our earth, would you say? Do you know? Or Well, you know, I just picked up that he was kind of a loner and uh, and he, he got hungry and uh, and was out looking for food. And uh, that, yeah, that young man had uh, gotten a flat tire one night. That was the first person who actually saw the lizard man was Christopher. I can't remember his last name. His name was Christopher. And, uh, and he, it was late one night. He had gotten off of work. He worked at a local fast food restaurant. And it was around two in the morning, I think, one or two in the morning. He got a flat tire at Scape or Swamp. Okay, this is in South Carolina, Bishopville, South Carolina. And he, thank goodness, he had already changed his tire and uh, was putting his, putting all the stuff away and putting the jack in the back of the car. And he saw something running towards him. And, uh, and so he jumped in the car and slammed the door. And this thing, it was like a, a it was what we call now an inhumanoid. Okay, it was a it was a reptilian inhumanoid uh, ran at him and uh, and it tried to get inside his car. Uh, he locked the doors and uh, and it jumped on the car and oh he, he drove off. It did it did a lot of damage to his car too. Yeah, um, but but when he got home, he was he was a mess according to what I've been told. Uh, you know, and I did remote view that. Uh, I remote viewed the reptile, uh, the reptilian lizard man whatever it is uh it, it was definitely a reptilian uh from and, and i do believe it did come from somewhere like inner earth yeah so I've, I've done a lot of remote viewing targets that deal with inner earth to be honest uh, even the the giant of kandahar uh that came from inner earth actually that and, and it wasn't just one giant there were a bunch of giants over there where that giant came from well, I was going to ask you, do you think these things are existing inner earth in another dimension or are they just living in inner earth? Like, is that a good, is it, you know what I'm saying? Like, do you yeah, think that's like, a good question. yeah, it's hard to think about, right? Cause like we, it, I almost want to think that these things exist like in an alternate realm outside of ours, but maybe inner earth, once you get down there, it is another realm, yeah. right? Could be. Yeah. Well, the, the things that I remote viewed, like as far as that rep, rep, reptile went and as far as the giant and can are, they were very three-dimensional here. Uh, but yet so are the ETs that I've encountered. So are the Sasquatch that we've encountered, you know? Uh, and so are they able to go through portals or become, you know, interdimensional in some way? Yeah, I think so. 
Uh, I don't know how, <laughs> you know, like, you know, we haven't encountered that portal out in the meadow. And, uh, and that is, that's one way to kind of understand maybe where they're coming and going from. But uh, I didn't, we didn't see a cryptid come in and out of that portal though. We didn't see that. So I can't say for sure that's what that was. Yeah, that's so yeah. interesting. Um, one one things that you remote viewed was the Diatala Pass. I, now, yes. I, this is gets a lot of uh, this gets a lot of uh, it's it very popular in the paranormal community for some reason. Like, what what happened at this uh, at this this thing? Like, what what, what okay. you know, people were killed and they tried yes. to blame it on a Bigfoot, right? But it wasn't a Bigfoot. Okay. That's an interesting one. That was the first target that I did for my remote viewing show. Uh, and it's because it is so popular. And um, the story behind that is there were, I think it was nine Russian hikers back uh, during the, when it was the Soviet Union back in 1959. Uh, it was a group of college students decided to go on, they went snowshoeing. Okay, uh, on a hike, and they were very seasoned trackers. They knew they knew how to do what they were doing in any kind of conditions, uh, snowshoeing through the Ural Mountains. Okay, and um, they decided to to make a trip, and it a week or two weeks, something like that. They were supposed to check in. Uh, they had different check in points, and uh, they left. And you know, a week later or so, they had not checked in yet, um, and so a search team was sent out to go find these these hikers um story goes that the indigenous people in that area had um had stories about a yeti okay the russian yeti it was called the mink m-e-n-k the mink uh which was it would eat humans and they were scared of it and uh so it was it was a, a story there was a story about it and it was apparently you know the the, the locals believed in it Okay, so people were thinking, well, maybe a snowstorm hit, uh, maybe they were attacked by a Yeti, I don't know, but a search team was sent out looking for these students. Um, like I said, they were all very well-trained and seasoned uh, snowshoers uh, and, and lived in the snow, <laughs> whatever, so, uh, but when they went looking for them, they found their camp, there was a tent uh, that they had all been staying in that had been ripped apart um, from the inside, by the way, it wasn't like the outside something tried to get in. They they ripped it from the inside to run out, and you could see their footprints uh, where they had run out of there like a herd of elephants. Um, and so, not too far down the way, uh, two bodies were found, and then uh, a little farther away, there were uh, what is it? There was four, two, three bodies. So two bodies, three bodies. And then they couldn't find the last four. Okay. They had to wait until um, another month or two when the snow kind of uh, melted and they found four, the last four down the, about a mile away in a ravine dead oh with, God. with injuries consistent of a car crash. Okay. Uh, their bodies had been uh, hit. Like they had been in a, like in a, a car car accident. Okay. I'm sorry, I didn't interrupt you. I had to get this point out because I don't want to forget yeah. it. Like, didn't it seem at one point like they were maybe dropped from the air? Could it have been a didn't UFO it? incident? What do you think? Okay. Yes. Okay. So this so interesting that you said that. Okay. Because everybody, I, what I did was I remote viewed this this case in four parts. Okay. It was a lot <laughs> because there was so many anomalies to the story. And, uh, and I was so fascinated by it. It was remote viewed in four parts. So first of all, I remote viewed, it was the overall 
you know, the, what happened? Like, what happened? Uh, the second remote viewing target was the first two gentlemen, the first two men that were found. They didn't have any clothes on. They were basically naked with some underwear on. Uh, they had actually built a, tried to build a fire at some point. Okay, uh, while they were out there. And now this was, the temperature was at least 15 below zero Fahrenheit, you know. Um, and so they would have, it was a suicide mission, first of all, to even leave their tent that night. Uh, so whatever, why, whatever reason they left for it, it was because they were scared for their lives, obviously. Um, so I remote viewed the overall, what happened, what happened to those two guys, how they died and what happened to them. And then the other three people who had actually, were trying to make it back to the tent apparently and then they died uh, i remote viewed what happened to them and then i remote viewed the last four that were found that looked perhaps like they had been executed or something though the one of the females her tongue had been removed not just gone not like oh it got rid of it was removed okay and they had their their faces were mutilated cut consistent with like a an et um, abduction or something like that, you know, like a, a cattle mutilation, but human mutilation. Well, okay, you know what's so, so weird is we hear about human mutilations. I think there was that one down in Brazil. I, I remember listening to the Art Bell show with where he did with um the guy died. He he's, he was a paranormal investigator. I can't remember his name, like, but um Butch Witkowski. He he used to go on Spaced Out Radio. Do you know Butch? I don't know that Dave would know him. <laughs> yeah, Dave. Dave, know, Dave knows them, yeah. but like he, uh, he was he did a show with Art Bell on human mutilations, and they're very, very rare, but they do happen, right? So, oh yeah, is that where you're going with this? Is that kind of like? Well, I didn't know that's where I was going with this, but <laughs> you know, I I had no idea what I was going to be looking at. I had no idea. Um. Okay. So the first the first target, um, I had you know I I was able to get in their heads and do what we call a deep mind probe, um. From the very first target, uh, everyone there was telling me, uh, the ones that I was able to communicate with, that something came from the sky. Okay, first of all, something came from the sky and it scared them. Uh, I was told that it looked like umbrellas were falling from the sky with lights on them. Okay, so umbrellas from falling from the sky. Okay, first of all, it sounds like that's something that the military probably uses, some sort of uh, location detector or something like that, like maybe um, missiles coming down from the sky, perhaps, um, but they were all saying that they were scared to death because um, something was coming from the sky. Now, let me preface this by saying that uh, cameras were found and were released to the general public with the film on it by the detectives and the military people with pictures of what looked like the Russian Yeti in the pictures, okay? And it, uh, upon further, you know, review of those that picture, a lot of people say it looks like a human, okay? Uh, they, they were, their diaries were there in their journals, and they were saying they felt like they had been tracked and were being followed. Uh, and so that's where the whole Russian Yeti part of the story came into play. Um, and so we're going to get to that in, in a minute, uh, because that has a lot to do with a lot of this, too. Uh, is that that mink, the Russian Yeti. Okay, so the 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 first group of people um, that I remote viewed, it was the whole group, and they said they, they were scared to death, something scared them, uh, something came from the sky, and um, and they they felt like they were being attacked, and so they ran. Okay, they just, they didn't know what to do, they just took off running. Um, okay, so then I remote viewed the two gentlemen, 
And uh, I don't have all my, I don't have all my data here in front of me, but uh, I can tell you they, they said the same thing. Something came from the sky and, uh, and yeah, they, I don't remember exactly everything that, that happened to them, but something came from the sky and, uh, and they died of like hypothermia or something. Okay. Um, the next group that I remote viewed were the three. There was a, a, at least one female and two guys, I think, or maybe two females and one guy. I don't remember. Um, but they, they said that um, something had come from the sky too. And, uh, and they had been chased. Okay. And they were trying to get back to the tent. So something was chasing them too. All right. Where, where it gets really weird is the last four. All right. Because it didn't seem as though it was anything paranormal. It seemed like perhaps I kept getting military involvement. Okay. Military. It was something to do with the military that they had trespassed onto an area where they weren't supposed to be. Um, they had gotten off course and they had, they had wandered into an area that was off limits. Um, and so they were hunted down. Uh, they were hunted down and basically eliminated. Okay. I know that sounds horrible, oh, wow. uh, but yeah, it, it was all a cover up. A military, it was a, they were somewhere they weren't supposed to be and they were, they died. They all died uh, as a result of that. And uh, the last four, and there was a big cover up too. There, a lot of these targets that I do uh, for my show, there's government cover ups and stuff and all this. One thing I wanted to ask you about was I know you you solve cold cases too, which I think is so interesting. And I, I love that. And I was going to say, do you ever have like spirits reach out to you from the grave that like, that they just have to get like, someone killed me. I need to let you know who it was. Does that ever happen to you? Or has it ever been that clear? Only, only when I'm remote viewing it, I shut it down and, uh, and I don't, I, I do not make contact with any kind of spirits other than when I'm actually remote viewing. Uh, and so I have, I've, I've gotten that yes, when I'm remote viewing, absolutely. I have, um, but not just out of the blue. I don't usually get that. I, I do a lot of uh, protection work and things like that <laughs> so that I don't have contact with anything other than when I'm remote viewing. Um, but yeah, I have gotten that before. Absolutely. Uh, you know, and most, most of the time I have no idea what I'm remote viewing. I, it could be the Statue of Liberty for all I know. Uh, I get my numbers and my, my coordinates and, uh, and I don't know if it's a missing person or what. And, uh, but when I detect someone in the environment, when I'm remote viewing, that's when I do a deep mind probe of that person and, uh, and try to figure out what they need and where they are and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, so that happens. Uh, but with the Diatla Pass people, the last four, I did deep mind probes on the female whose tongue was removed. Okay. And this is where it gets really interesting. Um, she told me that she was, uh, they were uh, accosted um, by very, by soulless beings, she said. Uh, she didn't say they were like aliens or anything, but I 100% detected ET involvement. Uh, with the military so it was et and military involvement with the last four and uh and they were i, I don't know i don't know if i want to say beaten but they were they were kind of beaten they they were um i believe they were probably interrogated and all that kind of stuff and um and they they did take her tongue out uh Ugh. and uh yeah they and their bodies were all pretty much mutilated yeah um and left there in a ravine uh so fast forward to months later, um, I'm actually, uh, someone had sent me some information about something or other. I, I don't know what it was, but I just happened upon this information about 
the openings to inner earth. Okay. Like apparently they're all over the, all over the world. And, and guess where one of the openings to inner earth is allegedly really located the Ural mountains. Yes. Oh my God. That's right where that is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's insane. Yes. So, you know, it, it, I didn't pick up on the inner earth thing when I was remote viewing it, but it would make sense that perhaps they're sitting there guarding the entrance to inner earth and those people just got too close to it. Maybe they stumbled upon something like yeah. some kind of like government ET yeah. uh, co-op that the Russians were doing and like yeah. they, uh, they had to, to eliminate them. But like you would think like, why would they do it so gruesomely, though? You know what I mean? It's just like almost like they wanted to like make Send it a message and make it like make it real messy so people would never <laughs> go there. Right. Well, I, I also was picking up on words like commandant. I was like, I don't know what a commandant is. It sounds military. Well, that's actually uh, upon um, doing some research on it. The commandant was, I even came up with a name. Okay. I, I come up with a lot of names. I don't actually put all this out in the public uh, for the public consumption. Cause I, you know, I've already been warned once or twice about, you know, being careful what I say about stuff, people contacting me. I have had that proverbial knock at my door once. Okay. So, um, I am, I'm, I, uh, you know, I don't give names. Okay. So, yeah. um, but anyways, um, the commandant had something to do with this. It was a cover up. Uh, that's someone who oversees stuff with UFO activity in the military. I think it's like UFO cover-ups and stuff like that. So it totally made sense. Um, and you got to think like 1959, I believe that's when, is that when Eisenhower was in office? They were doing some sort of stuff with ET involvement here in the U.S. too, right? Yeah. So yeah, that uh, was making, really... making treaties with the uh, ETs. Yeah. Supposedly. Yeah. Allegedly. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. Exactly. When it was, it was more prominent. It seemed like, well, well it seemed like, you know, it, all around that time, like before 2000, it seemed abductions were really prevalent, right? It seemed like they were happening everywhere. It seemed like, especially like in the, like the eighties and nineties, like when, like when Whitley Strieber came out with communion and like, it's like everybody realized they're like, Oh, well that happened to me too. You know what I mean? And like, and it's just like, and all these people are coming up with corroborating evidence. They're like, Oh, I've been abducted. I've been abducted. And then all of a sudden this whole thing rolls out. And it seems like, it's like, what are the grays doing taking our DNA and using it for God knows what, and what's happening to all these hybrids. You know, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, it doesn't make sense. You know, it's, it was very strange how the whole abduction thing happened, but you don't hear about it as much anymore. Right. It seems like abductions aren't as, as, as prevalent anymore. Yeah. Well, you know, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm not sure. I think a lot of the people who are into this research have probably been abducted. I mean, I'm just saying, I don't know for sure, but um, I have had co close contact with ETs that I remember. Um, at least twice. Um, so, and, and, and let me tell you, all roads lead back to ET. That's what one of my, my team members always says. Uh, we, we say that jokingly, but it's actually the truth. Um, a lot of the activity that we have out in the field in regards to Sasquatch, it, it has ET involvement. A lot of it does, I believe. So, it's, it's so funny how they keep things so hidden. Like, it's like, they, it's like the ETs don't want us to know about what they have going on. But like, it's like now we're starting to find out, but like they've been having this go on for years now. You know what I mean? And like, it's like, it's so weird because it's like when you wake up to the fact that your reality isn't what you thought it was and it's much more interesting and it's much more mysterious. You can never go back to 
the way you felt before, mm-hmm. right? It's just like, I can't just go back to watching football on Sundays because no. my life will never be the same because now I'm in this. And like, yeah. I have to know everything. I feel like, I feel like I just have to know what's going on. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Well, and, you, and then you, you realize that football's rigged. <laughs> like everything's rigged. Okay. Yeah. 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 yeah exactly. you start, that's why you can't, I can't watch football. I, I was a diehard football fan. Okay. Roll tide. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I used to go to all the baseball games here in Atlanta and uh, the Falcons and all. I can't, I, I have no interest in any of it anymore um, because that's not my reality anymore. Um, I've, I've gone down the rabbit hole. I took the red pill. <laughs> yeah. Well, let me ask you this. You, they call you the cryptid hunters. Like, what are some of your findings on Bigfoot and Dogman? Or do, and do they ever relate, like Bigfoot yeah. and Dogman? Like, do, you, do you ever go into this in an investigation and find that there's been a Bigfoot and Dogman in the same place? Yeah, I personally have not. I've never encountered a Dogman that I know of, um, but I know people who have. And uh, and I know people who have encountered Dogman and Bigfoot together, uh, working in tangent, okay? Like working together, which is very rare very odd i've only heard that happening maybe once or twice um but yeah i mean my team we've we've had plenty of bigfoot experience i mean i was out in the woods last weekend and uh we had we we believed there were bigfoot surrounding us uh that night and uh and i i saw an orange orb uh floating in the tree line and uh one of the guys with me saw an orb behind me on another side of the field and, uh, and right as I saw that orb, I heard a, huh, like a, a, a loud huff, uh, right, right as that orb disappeared, there was a really loud huff, a grunt kind of. And, uh, and so immediately we checked to make sure that it wasn't a bear, uh, or, or we, we pretty much knew it was a big foot, but, um, you know, and, and then right after we heard that it started pouring down rain out of nowhere. So we, we kind of had to abandon ship and get out of there because it was raining so hard. Uh, but anyways, uh, yeah, it's, we have plenty of Bigfoot activity. Bigfoots are different everywhere you go. Um, you know, I've remote viewed a whole lot of different, um, incidences, uh, famous stories of, of Bigfoot attacks on people, uh, like the Portlock, Alaska case, um, where a whole entire village, um, evacuated back in the day, um, because they were all, there were over 30 people that went missing. Uh, and they were all suspected to have been kidnapped and killed by a clan of Bigfoots that lived up there in that area. Uh, I remote viewed it. And yes, I can. Uh, I can back that up. They were being hunted by the Bigfoot up there uh, because they had encroached on their territory. So that's what I was going to say. Is Bigfoot like a mean or like, I don't want to say mean. That doesn't sound right. But like, is it, Bigfoot like hunt us like what or because i always thought that they were more peaceful or like what's the story with that <laughs> well you know it's it's interesting because they're they're different there it depends on where you are and the kind of circumstance that you're in um a lot of people don't like hearing the fact that bigfoots can be violent and kill humans and you know and eat eat they're not carnivorous and all that kind of stuff i mean yes they're they're very friendly forest people out there and uh and and those are the type that i've encountered that we encountered with my team uh up in the mountains uh and wherever we go and do our research uh they're pretty peaceful until you come across a very 
dominant alpha that doesn't want you on their territory. It's, it's always a territorial thing, to be honest. Um, but in the case of Port Lock, Alaska, those people had gone up there and established a cannery where they were uh, getting all of the resources out of that water up there and taking all the salmon and all the fish, uh, which that was the life force of those Bigfoots up there. And, uh, and these were very large Bigfoots. I, I was remote viewing them. I, they were like 12 feet tall and stuff, which is pretty big um, for a Bigfoot. But they had what they called the kill zone. I believe that's what they called it. Uh, and it was a, a line that they basically drew in the sand and if anyone went past that line into the woods, they were fair game to be killed and eaten, actually. A lot of the bodies, body parts would uh, float up down the river and things like that and float onto shore. Oh, my God. <clears throat> yeah. You don't hear about this much. Well, people don't like talking about it. Yeah. I, I, I mean, but this is like the truth, right? I mean, this is like kind of like what's kind of... I mean, like, it's kind of hidden from the public, right? I mean, do you think it would scare a lot of people to go out in the woods? Or does that make Absolutely. sense? Absolutely. And so that's why people don't talk about even the dogman. Because, <clears throat> excuse me, that's there's a case right. of the LBL. <clears throat> Ew, excuse me. That's the, that's, I'll let you take a drink. That's the, uh, the beast of the land between lakes dogman sighting. Um, yes. Absolutely. There's something in my throat. So hold on. Well, let me pause this. Let me pause this. I'll pause it. What I'll do is I'll say. We're probably recording again. Okay. So the Bigfoots in Alaska, <clears throat> nobody, nobody talks about that because they don't, they don't want to hear about it because it's, it's pretty violent. And it, it shows that the Bigfoots are, they will, they'll come after you and they will kill you uh, if they, if they feel like they, if you're encroaching on their territory. <clears throat> and that's also why. The National Park Services, they they know, I believe, personally, I believe that they know that there are dogmen in places like the land between the lakes up in Kentucky. <clears throat> they won't uh, tell the public that because, the, you know, they make money off of people going up there and camping out and spending their time up there. Do you think this is like the, 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 the reason is behind the missing 411, that it could be Bigfoot or E.T.? Yeah. I think so. I mean, I don't believe that's all the reason. I think maybe they're walking into portals or being abducted. Yeah. I think so too, because uh, you guys proved that in the meadow that, that mm -hmm. one of your team members, I remember Trey telling me about that, that one of your team members went off into a portal and like, and, and, and they could describe everything, right? Two of our team members did. Yeah. That's insane. That's they so did. insane. That's so wild. Um, so did, okay, let me ask you this. What, one of my last questions for you, cause we've been going about an hour, um, is there's, I didn't know this either there. I don't think I asked you this last time. I think you said in another show that there's like six different kinds of dog men. I mean, what are the different kinds? Is it like a werewolf, a dog? I mean, like what, I don't, I don't know much about cryptids. So I'm kind of like, I'm just learning, you know? Well, actually dogmen and werewolf are two different things. Oh, I didn't okay. know that. Yeah, so I thought they were the same too. I actually thought dogmen and Bigfoots were uh, the same thing, but just like cousins. Uh, well, through the remote viewing that I've done, I've seen that they have no nothing in common other than being just bipedal, hairy creatures, beings, I guess you could say. I think the Sasquatch is just, um, I think they're like people, okay? I think that they are just kind of like big, hairy humans, but different. Okay, that's, that's uh, I think that they're their own race. They're their own 
they're their own thing, okay? And then we've got Dogman, and that's like a bipedal canine that can also run on all fours. Um, there, there's no genetic similarities between the Dogman and the Sasquatch. Um, do you think Dogman could be some kind of military project? Yes, I do. Uh, I think that some of them have been here for probably centuries. I mean, obviously, go back and look at, is it St. Christopher, I believe, was a dog-headed man. Yeah. Okay. Anubis, uh, the Egyptian god, I believe he's of the underworld, right? He he is a dog-headed man, okay? Um, I believe that they go back to maybe the beginning of time, just like I believe Sasquatch has been here since the beginning of time here on this planet. So, amazing. <clears throat> yeah, a werewolf is different. A werewolf is not necessarily a dog man. A werewolf is started off as a human and uh, and transforms into a hairy werewolf guy, okay, or woman. Uh, I actually did a remote viewing target on the wolf woman of Mobile, Alabama. That was a werewolf uh, that was female. <clears throat> there have been reported sightings of what looks like a dog man that has breasts. Okay. It's like a female. Oh my God. That's yeah. Insane, right. Yes. Well, see where werewolves are created through, I guess you could say black magic and things like that. Uh, skinwalkers, the uh, skinwalker type thing um, <clears throat> through magic, black magic and manipulation and things like that. I mean, <clears throat> I've watched, um, excuse me, lectures about the church of satan <clears throat> excuse me having um you know the the highest ranking people at the church of satan and the brotherhood uh they there comes a time where you get to a certain level you can decide to be choose to be a vampire or a werewolf and uh and you your body actually changes goes through a metamorphosis where you can become a werewolf or a vampire wow i don't know i i'm not a member of that organization so i can't tell you for sure <laughs> but uh but that's what i'm told that's so strange like it's it's so well, we never we don't know what's going on at the tops of these organizations right because there's just so many secret societies and like organ organizations where they have us hoodwinked or they at least they have for years but now we're in like this huge awakening process and everything's being brought to the forefront as my last question i, I guess we'll finish up with that do you feel like it's time now for all this information to get out. Like it's time for us to know finally to, for us to put the puzzle pieces together and kind of realize what our real reality is as compared to what we've been being fed bullshit wise. Yeah. I mean, I think it's happening, happening naturally. Uh, for whatever reason, I think the, even the vibrational frequency of the entire planet is changing and we have to change with it. And I think that a lot of truths are being revealed right now and uh and it's all a matter of us being prepared for it because it's coming whether we want it to or not uh the truth is being exposed in every facet of our lives right now uh and so it's all a matter of preparing for that and uh, and getting ready for it and uh and for whatever reason i feel like i've been called to tell my story uh and and i believe i said in the beginning of this interview it took me 10 years to ever go public with my research and to admit publicly that I was a Bigfoot field researcher, much, much less a remote viewer. So <clears throat> I think it's time. Uh, I, I feel like I, I, my calling, part of my mission here this lifetime is to talk about this stuff and, uh, and maybe help prepare people for what, whatever's coming. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, uh, maybe, maybe there's a lot more cryptid sightings and, uh, and it's good to have a support system 
having other people that have experienced things that I've experienced and, and me be able, being able to tell my story because I can relate to these traumatic experiences people have when they see a Bigfoot for the first time or yeah. an ET or a UFO or any, any ghosts or whatever, these things that aren't supposed to exist, they're here, you know, they're here. Yeah, I, I agree. It's, it seems like, it seems like it's all coming. It's, it's like, it's very weird. Like I, I even have a spirit box right here. I've been using every day because I thought I had a spirit at my house and like, I, I did have a spirit in my house. It wasn't, I thought it was something was touching me in the middle of the night. And I don't know if I brought that in through a podcast or, 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 or how that even worked out. Like, you know, cause I, I feel like sometimes if we, if we talk about this information, it can kind of bring it into our reality. And I felt like that's what happened. It, it all started, I was doing this show with that psychic Liz Cross and like she was like there's a there's a spirit there now and then people went back and saw and they're like yeah we saw the spirit well then my my girlfriend was here and we were having breakfast the one day and like there was marks on my neck this thing was bothering me at night so like i do feel like we can bring these things into our reality right oh absolutely you manifest uh and and it's it's when you become aware of something <clears throat> it becomes aware of you too Okay. And, uh, and I believe that's why I had experiences with ETs because I was, I was studying it. I was reading about alien abductions. And, uh, and so had I been abducted my entire life and I just didn't remember it probably. <laughs> okay. But now I had brought an awareness to that, uh, conscious awareness to the fact that this stuff happens. And I started seeing it for myself. Uh, it became visible in my 3d reality. So yeah, you manifest. It's amazing how that happens. It is. I don't have any other questions. Uh, If you could uh, tell, thank you so much for doing this. Was awesome, by the way. And if you could tell everybody where to find your YouTube, I know that's most important because you want to build your YouTube right now. But also any other stuff you want to promote as well. And thank you so much, by the way. This was awesome. Thank you, Robert. It's always fun coming on here with you. Uh, Well, everybody can find me at thecryptedhuntress.com. That's my website. All my shows are there. Um, But I also have my YouTube channel, The Cryptid Huntress. So uh, I just hit 2,000 subscribers today. So that's a big deal for me. So I'm excited about that. Um, I'm going to be having a lot more shows on my channel. Uh, I'm going to actually have shows, a daytime show on Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern. Thursdays, my new show, uh, Thursdays, I'm going to be doing some remote viewing on that show of cryptids and and personal experiences that people have had uh, with the paranormal. That's going to be Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern. And then on the weekends, I have uh, Spaced Out Radio. I have a show uh, 10 p.m. Saturday and Sunday nights uh, there. And that's a lot of fun. So everybody, please tune in. And uh, yeah, subscribe to The Cryptid Huntress on YouTube. And follow me on all the social media at The Cryptid Huntress. Uh, Twitter, I'm at Huntress Jessica. That's my name there. So uh, yeah, I hope to see you guys around. Thank you, Robert. And, and thank you. This was fun. I'd love to have you back again. I love sitting and talking with the paranormal with you. I, I could probably do this all night. So thank you. I, I This was awesome. And I, I'm going to have, maybe we should, we could do a podcast sometime with me, you and Tanya, like all three of us. I think that'd be fun. Yes. I would love that. I bet Tanya would love that too. Yeah, she we would. should do that. I'll, we set it up. I'll email you after the show. And, and okay. thank you so much. This was awesome. All right. Have a good night. Thank you. You too. All right. Bye.